0: Oh, I see it. I'm sorry, Scott. I was looking for the on-air sign, and I'm not used to looking for it up there. Hello, everyone. My name is Stacey Mastin, and I'm here at the Father's Church, and I'm going to be teaching our Sunday school lesson this morning. Um, I'll just repeat what every person says when they get up here and say, These are really unusual times. Sometimes you just have to state the obvious to get going, because everything that we are addressing, obviously, in um, our teachings and the things that God is revealing is going to address the season that we are in. And so uh, we definitely recognize that we are in an unprecedented season in the Lord, and that He is preparing the saints for the days to come. And he's really giving us um, a huge lesson in um, things that we can expect to see from the enemy camp so that um, we won't be completely startled and taken off guard because, um, as you all know, when this began, it, it was overnight, that it occurred. And so no one was prepared for uh, the things that we are now counting as, you know, our everyday lives of staying at home and taking these extra precautions for our health. I mean just unprecedented things that have happened not only in our nation but around the world. And honestly I think we all can say that You know, as often as we, and as long as we have spoken about the end times, uh, we could never have imagined what that was going to look like. But now I think that while this is just a precursor and certainly something the enemy tried to do to preempt what God had in store and has in store for the saints in this year of wisdom, God allowed it to show the saints something that, uh, we needed to see in order to prepare ourselves for what we will be walking in, and we need to be truly grateful to the Father for that, because the thing that's interesting about it is that he didn't really give us a heads up. I mean, there may have been, uh, may have been words that alluded to this, but certainly uh, not enough to have prepared us for what it meant. And I do believe in the days ahead there will be uh, things that that the Lord will tell us beforehand. Um, it says there will be famines. I don't think that the saints are going to be taken off guard. I think the Lord will tell us how to prepare for such a thing. Um, the end times do uh, and will encapsulate so many devices and strategies of the enemy because he hates us he wants to destroy us he wants to rule and reign on this earth and and he's he's not an unworthy opponent he was created by god and he has those capabilities that god gave him and we need to look at what is happening with With the eyes of wisdom and eyes of um, agape, and not through eyes of fear, because regardless of what he does, we are going to be uh, ready and we're going to be uh, under the wing of our Father. So, um, just to that's just a precursor to my teaching here, which you If you have the sheet, you can see that it's to be strong and of good courage. Let me just say a a prayer here to lead in before I begin. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to teach and for this word that you've given me. I pray that you would um, speak through me in a way that is uh, edifying to the body and prepares us In the way that you have desired in this moment. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to believe and embrace your word and to embrace all that you want to release to your Saints by virtue of what's coming from your throne. That we would be ever vigilant at your right hand, that we would be ever um, just really fastened to the things that you are doing and focused upon uh, the things that you direct us to. We love you, we praise you, and we ask your blessing and your presence and anointing upon this day for all the saints, for all the saints. In Jesus' name, amen. So. Looking at your teaching sheet, uh, we see the title says, From Transition to Fulfillment. And <clears throat> as I was looking up one of these words, because I was just reading in Joshua when I came across this phrase, and I do what I always do when I'm reading the word. I, I click on many of the key words, and I I want to you know, learn what the Hebrew or the Greek word is so I can put the whole passage in that pneumatikos perspective as I read. So I did what I always do, and I clicked on good courage. And it's this word aims. And the thing that really got my attention was it meant to be alert, not just to be strong or steady or stout or, you know, to really... Prepare yourself for something that may be difficult. But it talks about being alert. And I thought, I've got to look into this and see where this takes me. And it led me to this teaching about being strong and of good courage. And because these words are used together almost every, in every single verse, it's, just, it's not just going to be a study on the word aims, but also the Hebrew word hazak which means to fasten upon, to seize, to be made strong, courageous, and readied to prevail in battle. The word hazak itself is used often to speak of the hands, and we know that hands uh, talk about our partnership with God and what happens at the right hand of the throne, so we need to bring that into the context of this teaching knowing that his Zach has to do with that point of partnership that we have with the father and that point of strengthening that we gain because we are partnering with God's hand and he is you know relating with us at the throne at his right hand and we are you know being developed by that and we are being guided and led through that and we were given assignments through that and commissioned from there. So, so many things happen at that right hand. So that point of Hazak, I just want you to keep in mind as we talk about it, it is really that placement and strengthening of partnership that we have at the right hand. And then Ames and Hazak together, um, they depict really a depth of commitment and a devotion to the plan, and the person of the Almighty God. Because in, in some of these um, stories that we're going to look into, uh, the children of Israel, <clears throat> and the kings specifically, are really facing some challenging and difficult times, usually warfare or battle. And so um, they had to completely commit themselves to going forward. They go forth willy-nilly, and they're dead meat because they truly are fighting for their lives. Their lives hang in the balance as they agree to go forward against their enemies. And so they their hearts have to be completely in it. And, and that was one of the things that really struck me about the Ames word. I really feel like the reason why you can glean that this is a depth of commitment and a devotion is because it talks about strengthening the heart. That's where aims comes in. That's how you that word is used, and we're going to see that. The heart has to be strengthened. The heart has to be convinced. The heart has to want and be willing to go forward. It can't just be up here in your mind, and it certainly can't be because you think you actually are strong enough your heart is what you believe it with and what you go forward with and really what you take what god is doing with you and you just you know you become that and so this is what we're going to see as we look through these passages of scripture the first one with joshua in the promised land is really our keynote um, passage because it's what i was reading whenever I got this study, but also because it truly does depict that going from transition, which was the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, to entering into the promised land. And note that this was given because when they went into fulfillment, it wasn't about um, times of ease. They weren't entering into a time of ease. They were entering into a time of conquering and taking the land and dominion, because the land they were going to to go live in was being inhabited by the enemy. So fulfillment for them, yes, milk and honey, uh, yay, and provision, of course, but they were going to warfare. They were not going into a time of ease. And as we are in this transition now and we step into that point of fulfillment, know that it is not a time of ease that we are entering into. We are actually entering into, in the year of wisdom, to conquering and to dominion, to taking the land. That is what our commission is as we bring forth this message of sonship in order to um, bring about saints all over the world who will stand for righteousness. And as they stand for righteousness in their terio then they're able to take dominion. So you, and the enemy is not going to, uh, (laughs) he's already not happy about it. I mean, we're, 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 this is living proof of it right now that the enemy is not happy (laughs) with what God is doing. Think about it. The enemy, when he thinks about man, it's got to be a complete insult to him because we, he can defeat us. Without God, we really cannot defeat the enemy. Um, we were made, we we're weak. You know, I mean, you know, it, that's, that's the funny thing is that he, he really wants to destroy us because he, we're just an insult to him. And, um, and, of course, God, what he loves about us is the fact that we're weak <laughs> and where he can be made strong so that he can use us and we can partner together and and populate this earth with his righteousness so anyway let's look at this first passage in joshua joshua 1 3 through 9 every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon that have i given unto you as i said unto moses from the wilderness and this lebanon even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and under the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. So this is Yahweh and Yahweh is talking to Joshua and Uh, This is after Moses, of course, gave his speech to the children of Israel uh, as he announced that he would not be going forward and that Joshua would be leading the charge. And um, they were told several times to be strong and of good courage. And then now we add three more times from Yahweh to Joshua. It must be pretty important for where they're going. He says, I will not fail thee nor will I forsake thee. Be strong, and as you can see, I have the letter H, so we know that that's Hazak, and of a good courage with an A. So all throughout these passages, this is how I'll have these words delineated so that you can um, be be aware of it. For unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. That you And so this second time, it's very specific. Be strong, courageous, so that you may observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, then you shall have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and have a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever you go. So in this passage where Yahweh, the plan of God, is talking to Joshua and charging him for the days ahead. Um, He is, in the midst of this, talking about not just warfare, but what it's going to take to actually adhere to the law. That in order to keep what you've been told, you've actually got to be strong and have good courage. It takes strength to take a stand. Even without any other thing going on, just doing that, you have to be strong and courageous. Courageous. I just think that's amazing. But what it talks about, once you have um, been obedient to the law and you've kept it in your heart and you've meditated upon it and it's not left your mouth, you will prosper and you will have good success. And we have below here the definition, sackle. And it actually either comes from, it's a derivative of, I'm going to say that because I really didn't um, study this out. But it, it means to to be or make circumspect or intelligent, to become an expert and to to be able to instruct. Um, It's also another word, sekel, of wisdom. One of the words for wisdom in the Old Testament. So if you do these things that God has given you and commanded you to do at his right hand and you meditate upon those pneumaticus principles and all that he has revealed to you, you are going to become intelligent, circumspect, you'll be an expert in these things, and you'll be able to instruct others. But also says that you will be your way will be prosperous. And this is the word salah, to push forward or break through from the sila. This is really paramount because if you want to come out of the sila, This is what this word is. This salah means to come out of the sila into a point of breakthrough. And when you have done all that God has said to do and you have gone forward obediently, you will have the salah. You will prosper. And then I guess it's up here. I'm trying to find where it is. Oh, here it is at the end. Uh, Duh. Uh, The last verse says, do not be afraid and don't be dismayed. And we know that fear is a huge component in the arsenal of the enemy. And he does paralyze people with fear. I mean, people will not move because of fear. But it also says not to be dismayed. And this is used many times when there, when people and kings are being told um, about what's to come. It says don't fear and don't be dismayed. And this word dismayed means to prostrate, to break down because of violence or confusion and fear. Now, we know that when you prostrate before God that you are bowing to his will for your life you are submitting yourself wholly to what his plan is for you and for whatever he wants to do in you i mean the prostrating uh, has a huge definition but that is just a little thumbnail sketch of how proskuneo can be utilized for the saint and the son but this word here to prostrate means you're bowing to the fear you're bowing to the plan of the enemy you're you're conceding. You're, you're giving up. You're saying, this is too much for me, therefore I bow to that thing. And we cannot be prostrate because of fear. We cannot prostrate ourselves to the things that the enemy is showcasing before us because he is loud and he really knows how to spin a tale. And not only that, but we have seen that, you know, he can bring things about He can make things happen. He certainly uh, made something happen in our world that we are experiencing right now. So we we have to accept the fact that the enemy is present and that the enemy is going to be given the allowance to take a stand and to stop the saints. So we can't be dismayed. We can't bow to that. He is preparing us and strengthening us for this very thing so that, so that we, because see, you don't prostrate to it. You take a stand for righteousness. We have to keep standing. We have to keep standing for righteousness. Now this next, oh, I wanted to go back. Here, I put the note on my sheet, as the people who are here will see, that says spies, because this is a huge part of this, this little story. Think about this. So when Moses, when God led Moses and said, okay, send your spies out, and uh, he did because they were going to enter into the promised land. And what happened? They came back and gave this horrible report. There's giants. I mean, they're too big for us. There's too many. Um, We can't take it. Yeah, it's got a lot of good stuff over there, but, yeah, we can't take them. And we know that who among the spies were the ones who gave the good report. One was Joshua, so he was saved, and the other was Caleb. But the thing that's interesting is that it was that very thing. They prostrated to the fear. They did. And what happened? They had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years because of that bad report. So that was a huge part of what happened to the children of Israel with their murmuring and their fear, and, oh, my gosh, they could just not pull it together. But here Joshua sends two spies and that's when they ran into um, Rahab and they came back with a good report and we know the rest of the story. But here's the thing folks, one thing that's happening right now is almost like we're being spies in the land. The fact that this has happened has given us a glimpse of something that we know we're going to have to encounter. So what is our report? How do we respond to what is happening in our world today? The saints have to respond like Joshua and Caleb did. We can take them. Let's go forth. That was what he said. He goes, let's go right now. That's what, that's what Caleb said. I mean, he was, they were shaking themselves and renting their clothes. They were so upset at these other fellas, these little scary cats. Look, I, I, you don't make light of it because the enemy is, is not someone to be taken lightly. But we have God on our side, and, and this is what God said, I will be with you wherever you go. And that is what he has said to the saints. So we cannot tremble in fear. We can't prostrate to the things that are confusing and fearful and, and the violence that, that we're going to see with our eyeballs. So um, I just wanted to mention that. I <laughs> Those notes obviously do me no good. <laughs> well, okay, so now we're going to look at the transition uh, from David to Solomon. And David, of course, was talking to Solomon um, about uh, building the temple and beginning to reign and and what not. He says in First Chronicles 22, verse 11, Now, my son, the Lord be with thee, and sala thee, that is, to break forth through you, and build the house of the Lord thy God, as he said of thee. Only the Lord give you wisdom and understanding, and give you charge concerning Israel, that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Then shall you prosper, you'll break forth if you from the Selah, if you take heed to fulfill the statutes and judgments w- judgments which Yahweh charged Moses with concerning Israel. Be strong and of good courage. Dread not, nor be dismayed. I find this so interesting because he wasn't really going into warfare. He was just going to build the temple. But that must have been a very overwhelming task. So what does God do in 28? Besides telling him... David tells him again to be strong and have good courage. He says, look, uh, the Lord's not going to leave you or forsake you. And um, he said, the courses of the priests and the Levites, even they will be with thee for all the service of the house. And there shall be with thee all manner of workmanship, every willing, skillful man for any manner of service. Also the princes and all the people will be holy at your commandment. What is God saying? I'm going to provide for your needs. This is the task I'm giving you. Therefore, I'm going to give you those who are going to come alongside to fulfill the task. So don't think that you have to somehow conjure it up and work it out yourself because you don't. We can't see the ones that are going to be coming alongside that are skillful. We can't see that yet. But I can tell you right now, when we are strong and have good courage, when we strengthen ourselves and, and we, we encourage ourselves, you know, in our hearts to go forward, then God is going to be with us. He's not going to forsake us. And all that has been asked of us will be completed. And God will provide everything that we need in order for that to happen. So that's why I included this this passage, because we need to know that God has got things going on that we can't see. Things for us, things he's going to provide for us, things that are going to come forward that We had no idea, you know, how, what, when, or how, you know, it happened. And it's okay. We don't have to know all those things. We just have to go forward and and know that that we can do what he's asked us to do. Um, and versus the children of Belial. I included this one because it includes the children of Belial. Because you have to know that when you begin to reign, you're going to have folks of disobedience, the children of Belial, the Antichrist, that are going to oppose what you're doing. So let's start in verse 2, and it says, And there was war between Abiah and Jeroboam. And Abiah, and that's the way it pronounced it in the Bible, so in the program, Abiah. Abiah set the battle in array with an army of valiant men of war, even 400,000 chosen men. Jeroboam also set the battle in array against him with 800,000 chosen men, so twice as many, being mighty men of valor. Abias stood up on the mountain um, Zamarium, which is in Mount Ephraim, and said, Hear me thou, Jeroboam, and all Israel. So the king, Abias, stood up and addressed everyone. He must have had a very loud voice. Uh, Ought you not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingdom over Israel to David forever, even to him and to his sons by a covenant of salt? Yet Jeroboam, Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, the servant of Solomon, the son of David, is risen up and hath rebelled against the Lord. And there are gathered (coughs) unto him vain men, children of Belial. And they have strengthened themselves in their heart. They have become stout themselves against Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, when Rehoboam was young and tender-hearted and could not Hazak them. He couldn't withstand them. He, they weren't strong enough for, for what um, Rehoboam, I mean, um, Jeroboam was doing. And now you think to withstand the kingdom of the Lord in the hand of the sons of David, and you be a great multitude, and there are with you golden calves, which Jeroboam made. I made you for gods. Have you not cast out the priests of the Lord, the sons of Aaron, the Levites, and have made you priests after the manner of the nations of other lands? So that whosoever come to consecrate himself with a young bullock and seven rams, the same may be a priest of them that are no gods. But as for us, the Lord is our God. And we have not forsaken him. And the priests which minister unto minister the Lord are the sons of Aaron and the Levites, and they wait upon their business. And they burn unto the Lord every morning, and every morning burnt sacrifices and sweet incense. The showbread also set they in order upon the pure table, and the candlestick of sticks of gold with the lamps thereof, to burn every morning. For we keep the charge of the Lord our God, but we have not forsaken him. And behold, God himself is with us for our captain and his priests with sounding trumpets to cry alarm against you. O children of Israel, fight you not against the Lord God of your fathers, for you shall not break through. But Jeroboam caused an ambushment to come about behind them. So they were before Judah, and the ambushment was also behind them. And when Judah looked back, behold, the battle was before and behind And they cried unto the Lord, and the priests sounded with the trumpets. Then the men of Judah gave a shout, and as the men of Judah shouted, it came to pass that God smote Jeroboam and all Israel before Abiah um, and Judah. And the children of Israel fled before Judah, and God delivered them into their hand. And Abiah and his people slew them with a great slaughter. So there fell down, slain of Israel 500,000 chosen men. Thus, the children of Israel were brought under at that time, and the children of Judah prevailed, Ames, because they relied on the Lord God of their fathers. Now, the children of Belial, the Antichrist, they deal in iniquity, cover up, corruptive speech. I mean, if that doesn't define what we're seeing right now, I don't know what does. They oppose the acceptance and development of sons, In the ministry of the Saints we can we can expect to see this influence throughout the coming days Belial the Antichrist spirit is always active trying to stop what God is doing through his sons and his Saints and when it said that um, that the priest would keep the charge of the Lord our God that means they would guard they guarded their post they didn't leave their post no matter what and I just found this entire um, this entire situation with Abiah against the children of Belial to be one that we can expect to see I wonder if the children of Belial are going to come up in the church and oppose us because you know he was it said he was the son of the Yeah, if you want me to read, find it in here. I won't be able to do it. Um, Who was he? Well, I can't find it. Wasn't Jeroboam? uh, Jeroboam, Oh yeah, here we go. Yet Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, the servant of Solomon. So we're talking about within the camp. Anyway, interesting. Interesting stuffs. Our next passage of scripture is he- Hezekiah. And in this situation, I, I kind of had to do a study this morning because I forgot to look at the background of this fella. But just a few chapters before he began to reign. And that's, of course, how they always, you know, speak about it. Yeah, just a few, cha- a few chapters before he began to reign, then a chapter after he, he died. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, Anyway, that was supposed to be funny. Um, So anyway, I was looking at this, and Hezekiah began to to reign, and it said that he did all that was right in the sight of the Lord. He followed all that David did. These are the things he began to do when he began to reign. Sanctify the house of the Lord and themselves. These are the things he told his people and his priests to do. Offer sacrifice. He proclaims a solemn uh, Passover. Um, Gosh, I can't even read. Oh, destroys idols. So they begin to, smashing idols, blah, 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 And he appoints officers, okay? This is what happens when this other fella, this other king, Sennacherib, comes against them and wants to make war with him. So here is Hezekiah doing all he's supposed to do. And the enemy is going to try to upset that apple cart, folks. 2 Chronicles 32, 2 through 8. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib was come and that he was purposed to fight against Jerusalem, he took counsel with his princes and his mighty men to stop the waters of the fountains, which were without the city, and they did help him. So there was gathered many people together who stopped all the fountains and the brook that ran through the midst of the land, saying, why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? I think that's brilliant. (laughs) Also, he strengthened himself. So this is the first thing he really did to prepare for what was coming. And he built up all the wall that was broken. He raced it up to the towers and another wall without. He repaired Melo in the city of David, made darts and shields in abundance. So he was what? Preparing for war. And he set captains of war over the people and gathered them together. To him in the street at the gate of the city, and he spake comfortably to them. This is the word that is a derivative. Well, it is one of the words for heart in the Old Testament. He spoke with them from his heart because he had strengthened himself. His heart was ready and prepared to move forward, and he spoke to his mighty men and his captains, saying, "Be strong and courageous." Do not be afraid nor dismayed. For the king of Assyria, not for all the multitude that is with him, for there be more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. So they trusted in what Hezekiah said. They had prepared for this battle. Meanwhile, this king of Assyria begins to talk some smack, sending letters, really letting them have it. I mean, trying to put fear in them so that they would turn back, so that they would tremble in fear and prostrate themselves and cede the land. But in Second Chronicles 32, they spake against the God of, Israel, of Jerusalem as against the gods of the people of the earth, which were the work of the hands of man. And in verse 20, and for this cause, Hezekiah the king and the prophet Isaiah the son of Amos, plowed. They prayed to God and they cried to heaven, and Yahweh sent an angel and cut off all the mighty men of valor and the leaders and captains in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned with shame of face to his own land. And when he was coming to the house of his God, they that came forth from his own bowels, he him they slew him with the sword. Thus the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib. I'm sure that's not right. The king of Assyria and from the hand of all other and guided them on every side. See, and this is, and we're talking Hezekiah only takes about four or five chapters in his reign. And it mainly discusses Hezekiah getting everything in order in his kingdom. He ruled 25 years or 29, something like that. He did everything that was right in the sight of the Lord. These folks, another king, came against him trying to um, take dominion. They stood strong for the Lord, and then shortly after that, it talks about how Hezekiah asked to live 15 more years, and then it's over for him. That's that's his little blip in world history. But it's a very strong story about how God will deliver his people and how we must through all the smack that the enemy's gonna talk. And I'm telling you, if there's anyone who can talk smack, it is the enemy. He knows how to touch us. He knows what we're afraid of. And everybody is different. Everybody has buttons that need that can be pushed. And and not that We'll probably ever completely be free of that because we have to be able to overcome and continue to be obedient and trust. But I know God is dealing with those areas in us right now. We're facing some fears, fears that I don't know that we ever knew that we would actually see in our lifetime. And so what are we really afraid of? Those are the things we have to ask ourselves and really come before the Father with those things because these are the areas that He's wanting to touch and, and the areas that just get us to, uh, you know, to veer off in iniquity. Um, Listen, they're all there, and we all have to deal with them, but God really wants to prepare us for what's coming. This Palau prayer, uh, if you'll recall the study, talks about functioning as a purveyor of justice. We humble ourselves, we commit all that we are to him, We represent him as an authority in the land, and God hears our prayers. Let's move to the next page, our placement. Psalm 27, verse 14. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen, aims your heart. Wait, I say, on Yahweh. So here we are talking about the plan of God. In the midst of the plan of God, we have to wait upon him to bind together, strengthening those cords of devotion with him, and really that commune that guarantees our ability to continue to hear from him. Because that's the thing that really is being developed is this this level of commune that I don't think that we have experienced until now. And, and there's a reason for that. We're all in, you know, in a lifetime of development, and in our journey and our seasons and the things that God brings us through, uh, we're being developed. But now there really is, we're in a time where we have to fine-tune and hone our ability to hear and to really step in quickly as well to what he's doing and saying. I mean, some of the oddest times... Uh, Sometimes when I, you know, I'm delineating seven times a day to pray as we were instructed. And those have been fruitful and I've had some really sweet times uh, during that. But outside of that, God will tell me something when I'm in an odd place doing, just doing a function in my house. And I mean, he'll just speak and it'll be like, whoa, I mean, he's just right there. And it is, it's amazing, but he's developing that in us in a new way. And so, this waiting upon the Lord really strengthens that cord. It binds us in a, you know, in a very tight and a way that cannot be broken, in a way that cannot be unravelled or um, or touched, you know, by the enemy or interrupted by the enemy. So we have to wait on the Lord for, for this type of Hazak and aims. Look at um, Psalm 31. David's in trouble and he spends the first many verses talking about it. You know, oh, deliver me. I mean, you know David. I mean, he can really do it. He is gifted. He's got the gift of gab with the Lord. But he comes into verse 19. He says, oh, because he always switches over after he said all of his stuff, right? And he says, oh, you're so good, God. Um, How great is your purpose. How great is the the purpose of God, which you have laid up for them that fear you and that have wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. You will hide them in the secret of your presence from the pride of man. You will keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has showed me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. So that, that marvelous kindness, that's chesed. Kindness is said. We're talking about the mercy of God. What happens with the mercy of God? That's commune. That's commune where we come before him and his angels are present and he's giving us the insights that um, are strategic for moving forward into the darkness with the light. Marvelous is that word palau. Palau, that is a derivative of the palau word we looked at earlier. Means to distinguish Uh, When we sanctify ourselves and intercede, God performs what we've been talking to him about, see, at the mercy seat. That's good. For I said in my haste, I am cut off from before your eyes. (laughs) David, he could be quick to speak, couldn't he, sometimes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications. Praise God, right? Right? Because we all speak hastily sometimes, and we think that, you know, God has left us. He's not not taking care of this situation. We're really, you know, we're in a tight spot. But no, he hears our supplications. Oh, love Yahweh, all you saints, for Yahweh preserves the faithful, those that are his right hand in doing that Palau prayer. And he will plentifully reward the proud doer. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. All ye that hope in the Lord. So, if we just can refrain from speaking out in haste and making those rash declarations, really we just need to be strong, have courage in our hearts, so that we can uh, just make that timely declaration of Palau and partnering in the supplications, partnering in His grace, because we know that the supplications of the Lord. Are appeal for are an appeal for grace and really align with what God is doing in His purpose. It always is always a discussion about what God is doing, and th- that's why these these plow prayers are answered. And the my prayers they're answered because they're they're born out of the discussions and that communion that we have with the Father. Let's look at Proverbs twenty-four, verse five. A wise man is O's. Yea, a man of knowledge increases strength. Okay, let's look at some of these definitions maybe as a reminder. <clears throat> so O's, uh, I, think, I think Monica taught on this a couple months ago uh, right before all this went down. Maybe it was in the beginning of this year. I just remember her teaching on this, this um, power word in the Old Testament Uh, It was an excellent teaching. It means the awesome and creative measure of strength, capturing and applying the creative inspiration of divine wisdom and miraculous direction. This power word aligns itself with wisdom and revelation, which is probably why she focused on that as we came into this year of wisdom because this is the kind of strength, and creative ability that we're going to have to be able to embody as we go forward. We need that creative measure of God's strength to go forward. But a wise man is O's. So when you are a person of wisdom, when you're someone who's been in communion with the Father, you've been developed in that point of intimacy and commune, and then you step into that point of commune and, and development as a son, you're going to be a person who walks in wisdom you're going to have that light to go forward to take dominion and whatever situation because, listen, light into the darkness can have a lot of different meanings or a lot of different applications, I should say. It doesn't have a lot of meanings. <laughs> it has one meaning. It has a lot of applications. But look at this. But a man of knowledge, and this talks about what pastor spoke of in his most recent book about wisdom, and something that I just touched on about the three developmental um, points of wisdom, which is development uh, in your personal relationship, where you have that inter- commune, intimate commune with the Father, um, you're just you're you're really stirring up that point of commune. and then that next developmental phase is as a son, and that's where this word diat, um, comes from, it is also um, a derivative that comes from yada which we know means that point of discussion and commune, knowing someone because of this, you know, a plethora of discussions and really you can get to know someone pretty well when you have a lot of discussions with them. But, um, so this first, oh yada, diad, I'm sorry, I think I misspoke, let me correct it if I did, is from the first developmental phase. I'm sorry. And if I just read my own notes, see, I wouldn't have misspoken. But, so this dyot is our commune. It's the first dimension of the wisdom process. It's the initial development of a relationship with God, learning through time spent with him. And it also, this word "diot specifically, really speaks of the reception of something through that close interaction. So look at what a man of dot is going to do. His aims is going to be co I know that seems really confusing, but it's not to me, because I know that aims is talking about strengthening the heart. Straight and it's going to strengthen your heart for what? Let's look at co Knowledge, this point of commune, and God continually giving us these line upon line things so that you know we're we're strengthened in our heart. It gives us the capacity to endure. That is the co-op. The ability to cope with situations and have spiritual adaptability. The ability to process experiences and deduce facts from practices and gain a measure of expertise. Now, the thing that's really cool about this is how these are the things that are developed as we commune with the Father. This is the type of strength that that we will be gaining through that commune. Now, I want you to compare that to before you began to commune with the Father. Think about all the experiences you had and the way you reacted to them. Think of all the ways that you developed um, protective measures growing up as a kid. Seriously, I mean, I had it going on. Talk about 20 years of having to break down all those walls. Because seriously, I had, I had, yeah, I mean, my story is not as bad as so many. So I'm not saying, you know, oh, me. I'm just saying I had things I had to deal with growing up and I survived like everybody else. In some way I had to do things to protect myself and what is that that's iniquity that's me reacting out of my fears my iniquities doing things so that people can't hurt me doing things to protect myself from this that and the other and all those things had to be destroyed and annihilated by the Spirit of God so that I could learn through what happens at the throne to what that strengthening commune that revelation that he gives at the right hand and and through the Word of God so that my experiences are not born out of iniquity. They're born out of cost. They're born out of that spiritual connection with the Father. And so then he lets me react to the things I see around me through that point of strength. Listen, the way we've always done business and the way we grew up doing business cannot be the way we function today. It cannot. I'm telling you, for myself only. I I would be a basket case right now. I really have no idea. (laughs) I really have no idea how I would be reacting to this situation had I never been here. But I can tell you one thing. I'd be running my mouth night and nothing. I had an opinion about everything, and my opinion was right. So, and my opinion is still right because I'm up here preaching the Word of God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Folks, this is, so, this is so real. Who we have become in the Spirit is what has to mandate our actions, our reactions. You know, the way, I mean, I love this. The ability to process experiences and deduce facts from practices. What practices? The practices that we've been dealing with the last 20 years in the Spirit with God. The things He's been teaching us. We have gained a measure of expertise, spiritual expertise. And we know how to cope in these situations. That's why we're standing, and we're not prostrating in fear. I just have a few minutes left. I think we started a few minutes late, so, gosh. I got, it's just too much power up here. I mean, it's just overwhelming. Let's look at the last page, Isaiah 35. The wilderness... And the solitary place... Okay, let me give you a little backdrop here, because it's it's really funny, and that's why I kept it in here. So you've got... You're fixing to read this, and it just sounds so lovely. I mean, we're just talking about... You know, you've almost just basically gone to heaven. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The joy of Lebanon shall be given unto it, the excellency of Carmel and Sharon. They shall sing. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. I mean, does that sound like a song or what? That's praising the Lord. That's just saying what all the good things are. But right, in, right after that, strengthen you the, the weak hands. Confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong. Fear not. What? I mean, out of the blue, out of nothing, comes this admonition about, you know, your weak hands or your feeble knees because it just seems really out of place to me. So it means that even though these things are coming, even though these things are happening, there's still something that we are contending with. There's still something that we have to be able to overcome. And it says... Behold, your God will come with a vengeance, even God with a recompense, and he will come and save you. And then it goes on, and the rest of the passage is like, and then the eyes of the blind will see, the ears will hear, the lame will walk, the dumb will sing, the waters in the wilderness, and springs in the desert. So in the middle of all this great stuff is this little tagline that's, you know, it's basically like, (laughs) batting down the the hutches, people, uh, because it ain't over. So what are we saying here? So we have to hazak. Remember the hazak is the hand, the hand of partnership with the Father. but the hazak, the hand is weak. We have to strengthen the weak hands. A weak hand is one that is falling you know that is not is not busy at, at the work of the Lord. We have to confirm this word firm, confirm is the Ames word, which we know means to strengthen, the heart and to have courage within your heart to go forward. And it makes sense that it would be talking about um, the knees, which is that not just that point of grace for, for going, uh, moving upward and forward, but it also is talking about the baroque, that knee that is bent for commissioning from our God. And that word feeble means to totter, to not really have a sure stance. Um we, we cannot be tottering and we cannot be wavering in our stance in this time which is evil and which is unprecedented. We're seeing things we've never seen. We're hearing things that I know, um, we don't know if they're true or not, all of them, because there's a lot being spoken out there. But certainly, we read it and we have pause for concern. We're like, well, that would not be good if this is true. You know, how do we control this? How do we overcome this? And this makes me harken back to the spies in the land because we're seeing these things and really hearing them for the first time in a way that we have never been given the ability to see and to hear before. We're like spies in the land, and we're hearing these things, and I wonder, what is our report based on what we're seeing and hearing that we know has the ability to completely change our lives and affect things? on a global scale, in an even more um, despicable way than they already have. What is our response? Our baroque, our knee being bent, has to, um, we have to be able to bend the knee for that commissioning. And honestly, that is, like Proskineo, it is really a heart thing. It's it's who we are before God. And then we just cannot be um, wavering in that. We have to know. How, and how we stand. And say to them that are fearful to Hazak to take hold of the hand of God, and to partner with Him at His right hand. I just think that's amazing. But I just I did think it was interesting that it was it was uh, plopped down in the middle of this verse. It just it seems out of place. And I still actually have a couple more minutes. Praise the Lord. Nahum two one. He that dasheth in pieces is come up before your face. Boom. Yeah, tell me if in early March when this came down the pike, if this didn't come up in your face. It came up in our face overnight. So we know... And with everything else, with everything else that we have, we've been made aware of through um, the Internet and the power that is being uh, really seen by the enemy and his influence over, you know, people of influence. I mean, again, hearkening back to the report, there's giants in the land. Folks, there are giants in the land and there be many. There are so many people of influence who are either on the enemy payroll or they are just easily influenced by the enemy because they're not people of prayer. You know. So they're able to be influenced to do his bidding. And that if that's not a giant in the land, I don't know what is. So what is our report regarding that? We keep the munition. We watch the way. We make our loins strong, and we fortify thy power mightily. Listen, our response is to be strong of good courage, to take a stand, not to prostrate in fear, but to keep the munition, which means to, to guard the stronghold. All that God has given his charge over, we guard it, and we uh, we are faithful stewards in it. We are faithful to pray. We are faithful with the mysteries. We are faithful to... Um, to release the message and to do all that God puts before us, we continue to guard the stronghold of what God has given. We watch the way. That means to peer into the distance, to always keep our eye upon the horizon of what God wants to do. Listen, he's going to give us discernment. This is not going to be something that we're going to have to guess at. I believe that this particular season that we're in happened the way it did because of it being a learning experience and not one where, um, well, I don't want to say that there weren't. I'm, I'm going to stop talking. Um, what I'm saying is that this was something God was doing specifically, but in the future I believe that we will have um, warnings based on some of the things that the enemy is going to do. So we peer into the distance for that. We make our loins strong. This is that word, hazak, And one of the loins usually descriptive of Well, you have the ma'ah and you have the mind. You have, you know, girding up the loins of your mind. And that ma'ah place, that is Zach um, being within, um, resolutely within your purpose, who you are, and what you think about that. And then fortifying, that Ames word, the koach again. Again, that heartfelt fortification so that we can cope with the things that come before us. We have to be able to stand strong regardless of what we see around us. And we're not going to be together. I mean, we're not always going to be together to rely upon one another. We have to be able to rely upon the one thing that we can truly rely upon. Every one of us must rely upon our relationship with the Father. We must be faithful to the things he's asked us to do. And I look at this lesson and I look at, How it's used in the Old Testament to talk about, one, going from your transition into the promise. And then, secondly, establishing all those things that God has told you to establish and having opposition of different sort come against you as you are doing the will of the Father. So we know that um, nothing that we do coming into these days is going to be without a battle. And I, I just, I ask God to anoint your eyes and anoint your ears and your heart because all that you see and hear and you determine to believe is really where you're at right now. And you've got to take those things before the Father and you've got to have Him cleanse you and, and really strengthen you in those places um, through your communion with Him. Be faithful to that. That is your stronghold. That is the place where you're going to prevail is through that secret place with Him. I bless you, and I, I thank you for um, what you're doing on behalf of God's plan and the way you are allowing Him to develop you in this hour. It is so paramount, and it's truly, you know, before we were all one. and It was so happy to be together. I knew you were standing strong, but now I know that fortification and that strength that is, that is coming from your stand And I know that I can trust you where you are to do the things that you're supposed to be doing. That is such a tremendous blessing to me. And I know that it has to be for our leader. And so I thank you all and I bless you all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.